The Tim Hill Podcasts, ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Kerry. Kerry's going to tell us where and when she was born. She's going to describe what it was like where she grew up, the school she went to, and the education that she, she received. So, Kerry, well, welcome. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. <laughs> so, let's have a look. When oh. or where where were you born? We, we, we won't go into sort of when because you're a lady, so um, we don't ask ladies their age. But that's um, okay. It, I, I, I'm 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 a, I'm an open book, Tim. <laughs> you're so just I a was, young girl. I was born <laughs> in Sharon, Pennsylvania. Um, which is an hour north of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, I lived right on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania. So you would, I guess, it call it Western Pennsylvania. Um, I was born on January 17th. It was negative 19 degrees when I was born. Mm. And uh, usually around my birthday, we would always get a big blizzard and it's always cold and dark and dreary. <laughs> <laughs> so where I grew up... <clears throat> um, let's be honest, I just always kind of wanted to escape that town. Even though I call it home, um, in, in that area, it's gray skies and it's dark most of the time and it snows six months out of the year. So my whole life, I just wanted to move south to sunshine mm. and blue skies. Um, so I'll, I'll save that part for later. But my education, um, I went to Case Avenue Elementary. I graduated from Sharon High School. Uh, Sharon High, class of 2000. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> we were the Sharon Tigers. Um, and then after, after high school, I went to Youngstown State University, which is in Youngstown, Ohio. I graduated wow. with a marketing management degree and uh, started whoa, my career. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> what happened? We're, we're, we're only two minutes in and you're already left university. <laughs> what happened to your kindergarten? Sorry, did you go, no, did you go to school on this on skis or? <laughs> I know you wanted to get out of there pretty pretty quick, but come on, let's 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 have a chat about kindergarten. Can okay. you remember much about it? Kindergarten, I don't remember much about kindergarten. Um, it was, I mean, my education was good. I think the school systems are great. I think um, we had some really great teachers and uh, good people to kind of support um, the youth up there. And that's important to me now because I believe that empowering our youth is so important in today's world. It's always been important, but um, mm. so, yeah. So move, move, moving up then from, from your kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> Elementary school. Uh, let's see. What else did I do? So I was a cheerleader um, in high school. And uh, I... That, that's, that, that's high school. That's not junior school. I don't or remember, elementary. Tim. I have a bad memory. Oh, when it comes. come on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's 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 rattle a few of those grey cells. Oh, let's see. What do you want to know? Elementary ask, school. Ask me some so, questions. So you six months of the year you got snow. Yes. So did you manage to go to school on skis? We would walk. Or did to you school. have snowshoes? 
we would walk to school in our snow boots. Yes, sir. And uh, you would always have a, a, a pair of shoes to change into. So when you got to school, you took off your snow boots, you put them against the wall and you put on your regular shoes and you went into class. Right. <laughs> so six months of the year, that's pretty grim. If, you, if you've got snow there all that time, I, I suppose you, so it starts in sort of late September, does it? And finishes in sort of April. May, sometimes. May, blimey. Yeah. So it's... is it known as a skiing area? Did you manage to go out, go skiing at all? No, never. I've you never. You all that snow, they never used it. We would go sled riding a lot. Yeah. There's a there's a hill. It's called the West Hill, so Sacred Heart. We'd go sled riding down the hill, and that was always fun. Um, but no, I never went skiing. Tim, I don't like the snow. I don't like cold. That's why I wanted to move away from there. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so in your elementary school, then, what was your favorite subject? Um, spelling and geography. And oh. I remember that because I was in a spelling bee and I got the word restaurant wrong. And I was in the geography B, and I think I won the geography B. Um, so, yeah. So, are you still pretty good at spelling? I think so. Can you spell supercalifragilistic expialidocious? Can no. you spell it? No. <laughs> what do you mean you can't spell it? <laughs> I can. Would you like me to try? No, no, I'll, I'll spell it, shall I? Okay, go ahead. I-T. I-T. <laughs> Come on, get with the program. <laughs> I thought you said you could spell. I don't get it. I I... Spell it. Spell it. Oh, oh, okay. All right. God bless you, Tim. <laughs> All right, moving on. What's next? Moving on. What was your worst subject in elementary school? Oh man, I haven't thought about elementary school for like my whole life. I, what was my worst subject? I don't know. I got all A's in school. I, I always got all A's. And even when I was in high school, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Tim. So I was voted most rebellious in high school. I was a rebel with a lost cause is what I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> And the lost cause I share about in my book, Behind the Screen. Chasing uh, after James Dean, are we? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so being such a rebel then, how did you manage to get all the A's? Um, it was a personal, uh, I'm a very results-oriented person. So even when I was a little girl, I just... Uh, needed results for some reason and so for me i needed to see that hundred on my test or that big a and that just satisfied me um uh, no one really ever held me to a standard i hold my own self to that standard and i always have so in elementary school i, I kind of it was easy I, I don't remember a lot i don't know why i don't remember a lot about elementary school i'm gonna have to go back and think about this now mm. um but in high school, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of partying <laughs> and uh, skipping school. I hate to say that, but um, I was. I was a rebel. 
And, uh, but I still got straight A's just because it was important to me. Hmm. So you managed to study and muck about at the same time. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I was the other. I mucked about and, and did the study and <laughs> didn't get any A's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was actually lucky to scrape through school as it, as it was, but um, I did a lot of bunking off. I think, so, I think uh, there's a difference between boys and girls. Um, yeah. Very much so, because I have a son now who absolutely despises school, and uh, he's the smartest kid I know, but he does not like school. Mm. You have to find something that he's interested in, and then he'll study. Yeah, that's right. That's the key. He wants to be a millionaire, so I I just, I support him 100%. What, in being a millionaire? Yeah, he said he's going to take good care of me one day. So I said, "All right, we'll see who gets there first, me or you. Let's go." Yeah. So, so I guess to, to become a millionaire, you have to be fairly clever. So he needs to stay at school and, and, and do a bit more studying to be clever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well. <clears throat> <laughs> so, high school cheerleading. Cheerleading. What was what was that all about? How's that work? Did you get tryouts and all that? You have uh, to you have to practice. You have to go to tryouts. I didn't make the football cheerleading team, which was like the one you wanted to be on. But uh, I was um, I was a girls basketball cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess they had. It must have been a big school to have, a, a, like, a, a basketball team for girls. No, I don't think our school is that big. I live in a big city now. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, I'm actually in South Carolina now. But um, mm. I graduated with about a class of 100 kids. That's, that's fairly sizable. That's, that's enough to give you a few teams of different things. So, so did they have a, a big football team, lots of jocks there and that? Yep, we did. But you couldn't get onto the cheerleading squad for that? Nope. Why? Why couldn't you get on that team? Why couldn't? I don't know. I wasn't good enough. Oh, hold on. Let me rephrase that. Because I was good enough. I just did not qualify to the standards that were held upon the expectations at that time. <laughs> Not that your face didn't fit then, because you was a bit of a rebel. I guess so. <laughs> so, um, how did the the base, base uh, basketball team get on with you cheering them on? How did they do? I'm sure they did just fine. I, you know. They did good. Yeah. Yeah. Can we move away from high school now? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on with the conversation. What else okay. do we have to talk about? Okay. Well, I'm just interested. Yeah. <laughs> so, graduate high school then. Did you? What was your high school prom like before we get moving on? Did I? I didn't. Did I go to prom? Well, here's the deal. <clears throat> I had, um, I guess you'll say, I don't know if it's a difficult childhood or maybe that's why I don't really remember. Uh, Grade school, my parents got divorced when I was eight years old. So I went through a transition of 
um, my family splitting apart and uh, moving to a different school system. So maybe that's why I'm trying to think because I look at our subconscious program and the way our brain works. Um, so maybe I kind of put some of those memories out aside because I had to process some other emotional stuff. Um, so my parents got divorced. And then when I was in high school, I dated the football player, the, you know, the jock, the one that was the most popular. Um, and I got my heart broken a lot and I went through a lot of, um, just tough times. Uh, mm. it was an interracial relationship and my family, uh, found out and disowned me. I was in the relationship for nine years and, um, it was a roller coaster ride. It was really tough. And I went through a lot of emotional trauma, I guess you'll say. Um, looking back as an adult, I definitely did. And mm. so that probably had a lot to do with the reason why I was a rebel. I say with the lost cause because, <clears throat> you know, I should have been smarter than the decisions that I made at that point in time. Um, and that's, that's really, you know, I write about all of this stuff in my book behind the screen, because I feel like we need to break down the walls. We need to, um, let our truth come out, if you will, because that's the only way that you can transform and you can rise above the egoic mindset that I think we've all been conditioned to, um, live according to, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I went through some some difficult times, and I guess maybe my defense mechanism is I just don't want to talk about it. Let's move on. <laughs> so that's probably yeah. why that was um, a little bit tough for me to kind of go back and remember, um, mm. if you will. Well, I can only apologize if I traumatized you. At no, you didn't traumatize me. Too. <laughs> 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 you brought up some uh, memories that now I have to go back and say, well, geez, what, what was, you know, what were some of those things that I should remember? Hmm. So let's move on a little bit then. Let's, let, let's, let's look at your college. Yeah. So, so college, college, college. So that was um, about the time when I finally ended the relationship that I was in and um uh, Ooh, got into some other trouble. <laughs> Jeez, oh man. I feel like I'm on the hot seat today, you guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so college was good. Uh, I couldn't decide. I wanted to major in psychology, to be honest with you. And, and here's a tidbit for anybody listening that um, if you're, if you're undecided on a major, if you're going to college, right. And you think, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? The advice I would give you now as a 40-year-old woman who has been through a lot of shit, I'll say, um, is follow your heart, okay? Please follow what you're passionate about. Don't go after the career that's going to pay the most or that you think is going to make you this millionaire, right? I wish my son would listen to me sometimes. I know he hears me in the back of his mind and it <laughs> registers in his subconscious, right? But if anybody is out there and wants a piece of advice, please follow your heart, follow your passion. I wanted to do psychology and I didn't because I remember looking it up and they made like $60,000 a year. And I'm like, oh, that's not good enough. 
I need to make at least a hundred or more. You know, I wanted to go after the money. I wanted to, I was, I grew up poor, excuse me. So I really wanted to be able to support myself. Um, so then I changed and I, I was interested in criminology and then accounting because accounting was where the money was. And then I took a cost accounting course and I said, heck, no, I cannot sit in front of a computer and run numbers for the rest of my life. That doesn't fit in with my personality. Um, so I finally settled on marketing management. Why did I settle on marketing management? Well, Tim, mm. I will tell you. <laughs> Please do. Um, <clears throat> geez, I don't know if I should. Well, screw it. Um, <laughs> Such language coming out of you. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> because uh, I thought that looking sales, at this in years to come. <laughs> having a um, degree with a sales background, you can apply to any industry. That's why. Hmm. So that's why you got into uh, that particular course then? Yes. So how many courses did you go through before you got to that one? And how long did it take? Uh, um, two years before I decided on the sales and marketing uh, major. And it took me four years. So I did four years of college. Mm. So you wasted the first two then? Yeah. But I think the first two years is a waste anyway of a college degree. Mm. So, Not necessarily. So did you graduate with honors? I graduated with honors. Yes, sir. 3.83 GPA out of a 4.0. Well, that's not too bad. You could have done better, obviously, but... Um. <laughs> I'm lucky I was alive. <laughs> I'm lucky I graduated and I was alive. That's all I have to say. Excellent. So what was the first job that you got when you graduated, when you left college? Good question. So I was a marketing intern for a chiropractic group. So I worked for a chiropractor who was um, rolling out this technology called interdiscal decompression therapy. It's IDD therapy. And so I did all of the um, brochures, newspaper um, <clears throat> advertising. Uh, we did lunch and learns for uh, uh, lawyers and different doctors to kind of introduce them to this technology. It was a great job. I loved it. Um, and while three months after I graduated college, I found out I was pregnant. How did that happen? That <laughs> didn't come with a degree, did it? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is the best interview I've ever had. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's... Here, let me let me just share something for whoever's watching this interview. I have a book that I write and I share a lot of stories that I have never really talked about to anybody. So I guess I'm going to have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I say that very often. Um, but yeah, so my senior year of college, I um, was doing a lot of partying and uh, you'll have to you'll have to get the book behind the screen to learn more. But long story short, I found out I was pregnant 
and I immediately stopped partying and stopped doing any bad things that I had been doing. And I got my life right for my son, who I call my angel baby. He is my angel baby, and he saved my life 100 million percent. I don't think I'd be here if he wasn't born. Um, so while I was working as um, a marketing director, I was pregnant. So I worked there for about a year and, you know, um, I went into labor on December 13th, 2006 when I was at work. Wow. <clears throat> on the floor of the office. <laughs> no, I, 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 I to get I off made it to the hospital. <laughs> I mean, that, that could have been a great story for the for the local news, couldn't it? <laughs> I got a lot of good stories. That's why I wrote Marketing book. director gives birth in the office floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I had doctors around. That would have, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, in the chiropractor's office. I mean, he's got a bench there and everything, hasn't he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so, it, it wouldn't have been such a drama. No. <laughs> But you managed to get to the hospital anyway. Yes, sir. Hmm. So that was sort of six months into the job. So you lasted another six months after you, your lad was born. Did you carry on work straight away or, or, or did you have that sort of maternity break? <clears throat> um. So the father that uh, I was with, I ended up leaving two months after my son was born. Um, I ended up moving out of the town that I was in and I went and lived with my father and my son was kind of like the light bulb that lit up my life. Um, and so I didn't work for seven months after my son was born. I just loved him so dearly and it would cost me more to put him in daycare Mm -hmm. than it would to even work. So it just didn't make sense. Um, I've always been a single mom. My son's now 15. He's amazing. And I raised him on my own since he was born. Um, seven months in, when he was seven months old, I started my career. So I started working as a customer service representative for a large manufacturing company. Um, and... <sighs> That's when my life really started to kind of turn to the positive side. So I'm mm. grateful. Uh, I'm so grateful, beyond words, grateful for the opportunity to work at this location that really changed my life and has given me the opportunity to be a sole provider for my son and just to learn and grow professionally um, and everything else. So I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the journey up until that point, but even more afterwards, it's, I have a, I have lots of stories I can share with people who are struggling and who might not feel as if they have support. They might feel alone. They might feel unloved. Maybe they've went through heartbreak and trauma and so many things. And you know, I feel like maybe my journey prepared me for the place that I'm at now to help other people see that you can change, you can mm -hmm. transform your life, and you can have a profound impact, not only on your own family, 
friends, community, but you can have a global impact as well. And that's what my mission is. Hmm. So that, that, that job then, what did it entail? What, what, what was, what was the, the catalyst of that job that turned your life around, that gave you the opportunity to, to carry on? Sure. Um, so I, it was an opportunity to really grow. I think that if you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to step up and, and, and really try to improve, which is how I've always been. Um, so it was an aluminum can manufacturing facility. So we made all the sunscreen. If you think about copper tone, banana boat, um, axe body spray, anything in aluminum aerosol container, we have one of the largest manufacturing facilities in the United States. Um, so I, I just hit the ground running. I devoted the first three years of my son's life to my son and my career, nothing else. I mean, it was just work and my son and at work, I was resilient and diligent in climbing that corporate ladder and going up. And, and progressing. So um, I was given opportunities that I fully stepped into. And um, I'm so grateful for those opportunities. So for instance, I went from being a customer service representative to um, a CSR manager, to supply chain manager, to continuous improvement manager, to quality manager, to plant manager, to uh ultimately general manager. So I went literally from the very bottom to the very top over the course of 10 years. And what about childcare? Um, so obviously the, the, the job takes an awful lot of uh, time out of the day. Uh, did, did you have, were you able to get childcare? Did they have a crash facility on, on site? So no, did they didn't. So, yep, I, I had to put my son in daycare um, and I didn't make a lot of money starting out, you know, um, and I had to pay for daycare. So for the first five years, I just I just did what I needed to do to survive and provide um, pay for daycare. But when my son started kindergarten, I was like, yeah, I'm getting a pay raise <laughs> <laughs> because I no longer had to pay for child care. Um, and it wasn't easy. I'll, I'll tell you. It's hard. It's hard. It's very, very hard to be a single parent. Very hard. Um, but that's why I think, you know, women and moms are so amazing because you sacrifice and you do what you need to do to provide mm. for that child because it's unconditional love. Brilliant. So it took you 10 years then to climb the old greasy pole to get to the top of the uh, the pile at the, uh, the canning factory. Yeah. So what was it like when, what was your first day as general manager like? <laughs> okay, I want to tell you this story. So um, <laughs> I really, I knew everybody just because I had been there for 10 years. But it's funny because I relocated back. I didn't tell you, but I ended up moving from Pennsylvania to South Carolina, sunshine and blue skies. Um, long story short, I was promoted, came back as general manager, and I had the corner office 
with um there's all glass right so it's floor to ceiling glass and outside of the office are the cubicles of where like the customer service reps and purchasing supply chains sit so i was like in the middle of thinking and i got up from my desk and i go to walk out the door but i didn't realize that it <laughs> i walked straight into the glass window <laughs> i mean Tim, it was the 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 clod, like what you heard was my head hit the glass because I thought it was walking full speed out of the door, but it was the glass window. And so I just, this is the first memory that comes to my head. Everybody looked up from working and like looked at me and saw that I just walked into the glass. So I like peeked around outside the window, <laughs> outside the door. And I said, it's okay, everybody. I just walked into the glass. It's all right. I'm okay. <laughs> so that was my first um, day on the job, I think, or at least the first week. <laughs> Um, general manager. Yes, general manager. But, you know, all jokes aside, um, I was nervous. I was scared to death. You know, can I really do this? I'm a woman. I was 35 years old. This is a unionized facility now. Mm. So this is the the hardest town. It's old Steel City. So if you remember like Pittsburgh around that area, it's all Steel City, they call it. Yeah. Um, So these are tough. This is a tough place to work and to be a general manager as a woman in that place is literally unheard of like that's why I took the job because it's unheard of and I wanted to just say that you can do it um but the great thing is is that I'm very empathetic and I really truly 100% care about those people every single person Mm -hmm. that works there those guys on the floor you know I give a shout out to every single day because they show up and they fight machines and they fight a really tough environment. And I, I was there to help them improve. And I would go out on the plant floor. I would listen to them. I rallied our team together, the management team, the engineering team, the maintenance team, the machine shop, everybody, right? Everybody has to come together because they're all puzzle pieces. And within three months of me taking over as a general manager, we made record-breaking improvements in the company history. We had a 25% overall productivity improvement. So I like to say in manufacturing, um, there's a magic switch, okay? There's a little magic switch and you can either turn it on or you can turn it off. And it has to do with the people, nothing else. It's the people. Those people matter. Um, and you got to take care of your people if you want to have a successful organization. So I guess you didn't have any run-ins with the, uh, the unions then. <laughs> <laughs> right, everybody out. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a lot of run-ins with the union, um, screaming matches. Uh, yeah, lots of those, lots of those. Mm. But we ended up making it through, and I love all those guys now still. Yeah. What's up, Vinny? <laughs> I didn't scream at <laughs> Vinny, but I like, hey, Vinny, you're the first person that came to my mind. Brad is Brad's the one. Love you guys. So so the unions then didn't give you an easy ride, but um, you managed to get on with them. And uh, 
averted, did, did you avert any strikes? I mean, did, I, I don't know what yeah, it's like. No, we never had, we never had a strike the whole time I was um, employed there. Thank God. We, we actually negotiated a seven-year contract, which was the first time we ever had that long-term of a contract because the company really invested a lot of money into this place. And it's a really great job to have in the community, in that community, small town, you know, all the steel factories shut down. So there aren't very many good jobs in that area. Mm. So working for this place was a good job and it still is. So what was your most memorable part of being in that company? What was the most memorable job that you did in the company? Um, you know, I'll say just the people. They're still kind of like my family. They're, they, when you go to work every single day with people um, and you kind of go through, there's a lot of emotions that um, come up during these things. So I would say the connections and the people along the way um, is the most memorable for me. Mm. I will tell you one thing that I talk about because I do uh, business consulting. So I do a lot of speaking events and I tell this story about the time that I took over as general manager six months in, um, they hadn't had a, um, a payout, like a gain share payout for over three years. So I was really trying to empower the team to get the results so that we could get them a gain share, a payout, a bonus. And uh, they did so good. And, and we that little magic switch turned on, right? And we were just pumping out cans and it was good. Um, I got t-shirts made that said the million can march because we made a million cans in one day, which was a record that had never been hit before. Mm -hmm. um, so long story short, I talked with the CEO and the president and we agreed to pay out the employees a gain share after six months. And I'll tell you a lot of some of the guys, they just didn't like me ever. And there was one in particular who just had didn't like me. And I'll never forget, I came into work a few days after we had announced the payout and he was waiting outside of my office for me to get into work. Now he got off work. He worked midnight, steady midnight turn in the maintenance shop. Okay. So I never even saw him. Mm -hmm. He literally waited outside of my office for me to get in to personally shake my hand and tell me, thank you for showing up, speaking up and, you know, leading this team to those improvements. Right. And that meant the world to me. And it still does. Like it still makes me emotional to think that this person, he stayed after his shift and waited for me to get in to personally shake my hand and say, thank you. And he acknowledged how hard it was for me because it wasn't easy. You know, I felt like I was beating my head off a brick wall every single day, but I was fighting for them. And when you fight and you show up for your employees, they will turn around and do the same for you. It's a it's a win win, and it's it's the best way to lead. In my opinion, that's conscious leadership. Mm. Um, so I would say that is one of the most memorable moments um, for me. So uh, as 
as a leader at the top of the tree, did you make it your business to get to know every single person that worked at the factory? Yeah, I, I, I tried. I mean, there was over 350 employees. Um, but yes, I would 100%, I would be out on that plant floor. There's no air conditioning. It's hot in the summertime. It's like 115 degrees. You know, people walk around with ice packs strapped to their head and just sweating and stuff like it's. Mm. Um, but yes, I truly 100% cared about the people. Mm. So I guess that, that that's one of the things that makes a, a, a good leader being able to um, go up to any employee, find out a little bit about them, ask them about. Um, how the wife or kids are doing and if they've got any dramas going on in their life, taking a, that, that personal interest. I guess that is where a people person comes in to their own in that type of environment. And and, and most people do uh, respond to, to leaders that do that. Yep. There's so, so many leaders that get up into the ivory tower, you never see them. They just sit in the office. It, I mean, yeah. if you're if you're a leader and you sit in the office and you don't go out on a manufacturing floor, it. But <laughs> <laughs> <It's hard. laughs> well, there you go. These things are sent to try us. So, um, where are you now? What are you up to at the moment? So I'm launching my first book on June first. Super excited! It's called Behind the Screen. Uncover the truth, connect to your power, passion, and purpose. It'll be, be available to purchase on Amazon June 1st. Um, and it, it, I write, the book took me almost four years to complete. Um, it was kind of once a journal of my thoughts and stories, um, things that I just needed to get off of my chest. And then I realized, you know, in writing that I have a gift, um, to write. I have a gift with my words and I believe there's so many people that are struggling behind the screen Psh, right here, the screen. Mm -hmm. And so I define the screen as your lens of life, how you view yourself, how you view other people, how you view the environment around you all depends on your own emotional state of being in any given moment. So it's really your perspective. And I like to say that you know, your perspective shapes your reality. And so I share my own personal stories of dealing with the effects of going, my parents got divorced when I was younger. Um, you know, the, the dating scene, getting my heart broken, getting cheated on, you know, lies, um, my family disowning me. I was in a relationship for over nine years, you know, coming out of that, drugs and alcohol abuse um, that led to, you know, my moment of awakening, which is my son's birth, my angel baby. And, you know, having that light bulb turn on and realize that I had so much more to give and to live because before mm -hmm. I didn't care about myself, I was sabotaging my own self. And so I think that we need to tell these stories because too often we get caught up in the hype we get caught up in this, you know, instant gratification. Um, we get caught up in the, you know, you have to look and be a certain way. Um, 
when we all we all have a power we all have a passion and we all have a purpose and when you connect to your power which is in here it's not out there it's it's not in the jewelry it's not in the clothes it's not in the car you drive it's not in your house your power is here and when you feel that power and you connect to that divine spirit and realize that everything is energy and that you can shift the energy of yourself your family your relationships and your environment, you gain more power. And I want to teach that to people. I want to teach people that they can overcome bad situations. They can overcome bad relationships. They can reprogram their way of thinking. They can reprogram this supercomputer that we don't know how to use because we're not taught how to use it because we're conditioned to be in this box mm -hmm. of ideals, beliefs, whatever it is you're told that you have to stay in this box, get out of the box. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is no box in my world. <laughs> okay. There's a Taurus of energy and we're all exuding this energy. So when you realize that you can shift your own vibrational frequency and you can then shift your own out external environment and the people around you. And so I want to have a ripple effect within the universe. And I want to show other people how to use this, how to connect to this, and how to make their life so much better. And so I tell that in my book, Behind the Screen. Um, and then I teach a seven-step life timeline system of transformation. So what's your life timeline, you would ask? It's from mm -hmm. birth until today, right? So you asked me these questions at the beginning of the show from birth right? What, what was elementary school like? What was grade school like? What was high school like? All of that, those experiences and those memories shaped my character. And I didn't have control over what was happening to me at that point in time, because as kids, we are conditioned by the experiences we go through. And then when you become an adult, you then all of a sudden can make decisions for yourself when you're 18 years old, right? But what people don't realize is you become conditioned in this subconscious mind, which is your computer system that operates your body on autopilot, has been conditioned to react in certain ways. And so those reactions shape your results of life. So if you want to change your results of life, you have to go back and look at your actions or reactions, your feeling and your thinking. So you got to go back to the way that you're thinking. And so a lot of our thought processes were ingrained in here at a young age. So I, I, I explain the science behind spirituality. I talk a lot about neuroscience, quantum physics, psychology, um, because I dove down the rabbit hole trying to research and understand it for myself. I applied this system of transformation to my own life. I validated that it works. It works because I've accomplished a lot of things in my life that I'm very proud of. Um, and I overcame a lot of struggles that I'm not proud of. However, I'm here to tell the story to the world that you can overcome anything and you can transform your life. Mm -hmm. Amen, sister. Go ahead with it. Yeah, rock on. Um, <laughs> tell me about quantum physics. Quantum physics. So everything is energy. People don't understand that this and this and everything is vibrating at a certain 
level. So if you take a microscope and you look at any matter, what we call matter under a microscope, you'll just find subatomic particles that are just vibrating. So it's just energy. Everything is energy. Okay, that's what people don't understand. Albert Einstein, Nikola Tesla, they understood this stuff in the 1900s and they were trying, but I believe that there's governmental controls and there's other things that stop um, that from getting out to the public. Because mm. the way I see quantum physics is it's the ability to time travel. I believe that you can time travel. Everything is here. And, um, you know, that's why you have ancient, um, you know, Buddhists and, and people that can meditate. And I think that you can ascend. I believe there's 12 dimensions. We only understand the three dimensional reality because of our five senses. So those senses allow our spiritual being to play in this three-dimensional reality but there's 12 dimensions that you can travel to through your mind and i think that the future is people are starting to wake up to um the ability that we have as human beings hmm. well I'll, I'll say as spiritual beings maybe yeah but we'll be we'll interesting if you could time time. travel wouldn't it what's that so it'd be interesting if you could time travel. If you could time travel, where would you go? Well, so here's the deal. Time is an illusion. It's a series of present moments. Hmm. What present moment would you want to go back to? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have, I don't know about that. It, 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 I mean, there's, there's so many questions about time travel and um, if you could time travel and go back to somewhere, would you change something that, that would then change everything else? Isn't that like a science fiction movie, huh? It is a bit, isn't it? It is. I mean, and, then, and then you see these science fiction movies coming true. Yeah, I know. It's a worry, isn't it? It is. <laughs> So I said, I don't know. I don't know what I would. I'd go back to the seventies and dance with. Um, I don't know, like uh, what is it? The sixties. It was around in the seventies. Yeah, I would have probably been one of the people ah! <laughs> doing that. <laughs> I would have been. I can tell you that. Yeah. So, Carrie. Where do you see yourself going? I am going to be a transformational leader. My vision is to reach, teach, and transform over 1 million lives globally. I want to speak on stages all around the world. I want to speak to high schools. I want to speak to colleges. I want to speak to large groups of people and share my story and share the truth that we have everything we need and empower and inspire our youth, our young people to get out of the box and to realize that they can um, co-create their reality. I will be interviewed by Oprah Winfrey. 
I will be interviewed by a lot of different people. So I see myself traveling the world, speaking, teaching, and transforming lives. Well, you've been interviewed by, by me, so you're well on your way now. Thank you, Tim. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> I love it. I love these interviews. This was actually the most interesting interview I've ever been on. So thank you very much. This great experience. Oh, that's, that's very kind of you. <laughs> I, I've, I've enjoyed it. And I, I try to say I, I treat every one of my guests as though they're the only person I'm interested in at that time. That's awesome! Thank so you so much. You have been you have been a, a an absolute fabulous guest. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome, and good luck for the future. Thank you so much. I appreciate it too. The Tim Hill Podcasts, ordinary people's extraordinary stories.